Congratulations to Sidney Crosby. He's been named the best athlete in the history of Nova Scotia. That strikes me as being similar to asking, who is the best NBA player from Akron or French Lake, Indiana? Who's the best rock band from Liverpool or the best quarterback from Findlay, Ohio? But okay, nice honor nonetheless. The funny thing is, Sid got 35 of 36 first place votes. My question is, who got the other vote? I noticed Al McKinnis is among the top 15 named in an awards banquet last night. So I'm assuming that he's got a voting family member still on the board of directors or something. Another humorous item from that, the likes of Nate McKinnon and Brad Marchand didn't make the final top 15 cut. How does that happen? A woman named Colleen Jones was on the list. She's a curler for crying out loud. And Mark Smith, a pitcher for men's softball. Men's softball. Former Penguins Lowell McDonald and Glenn Murray also weren't mentioned. A canoeist made the top 15 even. Hey, Nova Scotia, you just made the list. Uh, damn it, hour early for that one. I am Tim Benson for Mark Madaday as we simulcast from St. Vincent College on the X and on ESPN Pittsburgh. Big news, Top Golf open on I-79 now. And speaking of going off early, Pittsburgh adult film actress Brooklyn Chase tweeted that she is going out there tonight. Now, I'd love to see her pull out the driver. I have no idea how that is it possible that she can hit a tee shot and swing around those huge, giant golf bags of hers oh and speaking of women in the acting field the tabloid obsession with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kiara Mia continues searches for her films on Pornhub are up 2300% X-Hamster uh, was it X-Hamster yeah X-Hamster has offered her a role in the movie entitled The End Zone with Kiara Mia if you aren't 18 a photo of Al Riveron blocks your screen and prevents you from watching how about this on, on that front, by the way? She's 41. I didn't know that. 41. Now, maybe I've just been around that industry for too long and met too many people in it, but is it weird of me that my first concern of the relationship for Jimmy G is, golly, Jimmy, do you think she might be a little too old for you? The front page of the New York Daily News was fabulous today. It was a picture of Aaron Judge's back in his famous number 99 pinstripe Yankees jersey after he had been hit by a pitch breaking his hand and leaving him on the DL for three weeks. The cover simply read, 99 problems and this pitch is one. I suppose Judge Dredd was too obvious. Well, here's a headline, unfortunately, you will not see in Pittsburgh. Star running back is smart enough to sign lucrative deal to stay with potential Super Bowl winner. You can see that in the LA Times with Todd Gurley. You won't see it in the PG or in the Trib on Breakfast with Ben's. Now, I did write about the Gurley and Bell contracts a bit today, though, because I talked to both of, their, well, both of the backups for Bell, Stephen Ridley and James Conner here at St. Vincent College yesterday. It was supposed to be Bell who set the market for running backs in the future, and those running backs being guys like Todd Gurley. Instead, it ended up being Gurley that's now doing it for Bell. Now, Bell will reap the rewards when he hits free agency next year after his franchise tag expires. And barring an awful 2018 or another major injury, he potentially will make even more than Gurley. So that's fun. If multiple reports are accurate, Bell turned down at least $33 million in guarantees from the Steelers before training camp started. 
Meanwhile, Gurley accepted $45 million to extend his current contract with the Rams through 2023. So, poor Todd, it was only $60 million total money, not close to his, you know, just like $80 million pittance he was scrounging for in that self-deprecating comparison to NBA contracts he made a few weeks ago. Let's hope he can survive. Now, Bell did tweet congratulations to Gurley and said, LOL, and people thought I was tripping. As Bell has so often done during these highly chronicled negotiations, he is missing the point of the public's reaction to his contract demands. Very few Steelers fans were doubting Bell's ability to get at least one team to shell out enough dough to make him happy once his free agency hits in the winter of 2019. The Steelers fans I encountered seemed more put off by Bell's insistence on breaking the bank despite reports that he was offered multiple contracts from the Steelers that at least cleaned out the vault. Bell's continuous narrative that he would have liked to stay in Pittsburgh at the right price looks disingenuous now, doesn't it? Frankly, these negotiations, I'm starting to think, were one big waste of time, and he was going to free agency regardless. It didn't matter what the Steelers offered. If the Steelers offered him girly money, he would have wanted more than what that offer was and would have gone to free agency anyway. What was with all of Bell's happy talk at the Pro Bowl? It seems like since then the Steelers came up a lot, yet every request from Bell reportedly increased too. And to that exact point, now that the Le'Veon Bell franchise tag deadline has come and gone, he saw what Todd Gurley managed to work out in a deal to stay with his current team, I want to ask Steelers fans this specific question. What bothered you the most about how Lev Bell handled this contract negotiation? 412-333-9939. I put up a web poll to that effect. What bothered you the most about how Lev handled himself before the franchise tag had to go into effect? And 53% of you said that he made himself a victim. 24% of you said that he rejected a good deal. Actually, a surprising, at least the last time I checked, 18% of you said, I've got no problem with Lev. And five of you said that you resented the whole, I'm trying to reset the running back market BS. What I continually refer to as him trying to be the running back Rosa Parks. So where do you fall on all that? What bothered you the most about how Bell handled himself during negotiations? I think it's the fact that he just rejected a good deal. He turned down a fair offer. As you kept hearing from Mark throughout the course of the last couple of weeks, damn good deal, Yudovich. Damn good. It was. He's right about that. Most of you think it's that he made himself into a victim. You know, the tweets about how the city was turning him into a villain when he was trying to be a hero, the naming of his rap song Target, stuff like that. I see that, and most people are voting that way. Uh, I want to know again what you think at 333-9939. I'll give Gurley some credit, though. Aside from failing to get that NBA money he cherished, Gurley got a number that he could live with on a good team with a bright future, and he signed. Bell had that chance, too, yet he just seems intent on chasing every last penny. So I do want to uh, talk some Steelers here. First segment of the Mark Madden Show, the 4 o'clock hour, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Also mixing in some baseball, too. Not the Pirates are back in contention for a wild card. Allegedly, 
the most fun part of that is that we can talk actual baseball once more. In other words, we can discuss what takes place on the field, not just the economics of the game and the Pirates' frustrating ways of handling the roster as a result. But that's a two-way street. That doesn't just mean we barf praise all over them and then pretend the game itself didn't happen when they lose. Now that the Pirates have lost two in a row to throw the brakes on the now-defunct 11-game win streak, we've got to talk about how they played in those two games as they step out of the clouds. Their play in these last two losses to the Indians and to the Mets on Wednesday and Thursday can be described in one word, and that is sloppy. Over the last two games, the Pirates have committed four errors, misplayed a few other balls that didn't count as errors. Their team strikeout-to-walk ratio at the plate has been 23-6. to The Pirates pitching staff walked nine batters and uncorked three wild pitches last night. All five relievers who came out of the bullpen these last two days have allowed one run. Tyler Glasnow at least was unearned last night, but he was one of the guys that walked four. So aside from that, they've been great. Not to mention Wednesday in Cleveland, Gregory Polanco's error in right field. The weak lineup Clint Hurdle put out there when every game apparently matters now again, allegedly. You know, like Felipe Vasquez serving up a homer when he wasn't in a save situation. The Pirates interplayed today three and a half games back of the wild card. They have three teams between themselves and a spot in the playoffs. So that's still enticing for local baseball fans and a far, far cry from the drudgery of what we were experiencing watching this team as recently as the 4th of July. But part of the joy of tracking a pennant race is suffering through the losses as much as enjoying the wins. That's what I was reared on as a kid in the early 90s. I look back almost fondly now with how much I hated the losses as much as I agonized over the victories. That was the case back then. That was the case in 2013 through 15. And now that the Bucks have come back to reality, it is fair to say that they have played very poorly en route to these two losses and didn't give themselves much of a quality chance to make up ground on days when the Braves and Diamondbacks also either lost or were idle. Oh, and speaking of headlines you're never going to see, here's a couple. Soria and Hap return to Pirates. That didn't happen. 412-333-9939 if you want to talk baseball as well. Or if you want to talk about our imminent demise as these blue angel jets keep flying overhead and scaring the holy hell out of me every 15 seconds or so. Chuck and Squirrel Hill, go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X and ESPN Pittsburgh. Okay, let's go to... Oh, we got to go. My bad. We'll get to the calls when we come back. Again, 412-333-9939. We'll do that when we return. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden here on 105.9 The X and ESPN Pittsburgh. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Super genius, big, big fan. See, you're just screwing with me. You're doing a good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. Tim Ben simulcasting from St. Vincent College in Latrobe, overlooking Steelers practice on ESPN Pittsburgh and on 105.9 The X. I'll rejoin Madden on ESPN Pittsburgh later on in the evening from Geo's down the road in Route 30. I'm just stunned by this web poll I put up there about how... 17% of respondents have absolutely no problem with how Le'Veon Bell handled himself in these negotiations. I just don't get that. I mean, I understand if you think that he rejected a good deal. I'm with you there for people who voted that way. 
For the people who said that made himself he made himself a victim and that's what bothered you the most, I understand that as well. I also think it's BS that he tried to shove down our throats that he was just resetting the market for a running back. Well, he let somebody else do that first because he kept saying no and didn't give himself a chance to do it by signing a good deal that was on the table. But if you're someone who actually thinks that Bell did nothing wrong with how he handled himself publicly or why he did what he did with the offer on the table. you got to explain that one to me because I just don't see it. 412-333-9939. You can also text, uh, or tweet me rather, at Tim Benz, PGH. Uh, from D'Angelo, the Pirates are the story now. Will they make the playoffs? Um, I think that they are a story. I don't think they are the story until they get into wild card contention, to be honest with you. Uh, my view on that is that they're not going to make the playoffs. I still see Arizona getting in there with Milwaukee. Uh, I would also fear that the Cardinals would catch up and get to the Pirates first. And I uh, do have to point out again how they played, how they performed in these two losses since the win streak ended. You know, since the win streak ended, they have really come back to reality and have looked tattered. And I think a lot of that clearly has to do with the fact that they lost Marte and Dickerson in the outfield. Yeah, that impacts them hitting-wise, but they did score six runs yesterday after all. So it wasn't just about offense. It's their play in the field. It's been the pitching. I think that was a great hot streak. It got them back into contention. It got us to be able to care again about the team, but then... Let's care about the games on the field. Let's care about the results and not just perpetually and endlessly talk about the business of the game. I want to talk about the wins and losses on the field while we have the opportunity to do so. When we just talk nonstop about are they going to sell or are they going to buy or are they going to stand pat on uh, at the deadline, to me that just becomes tedious. That becomes boring because I think we all know the answer. They aren't going to buy. They aren't going to buy big. They're either going to stand pat or they're going to sell off, depending on how things go, in these next couple of weeks or next couple of games, rather. So with that being said, let's just talk baseball while we can. If you're a baseball fan, you should be able to enjoy this. And what I've managed to see going up and down the dial here in the past couple days since they've started to play well then lose is no one wants to talk about the games anymore we all wanted to talk about the games when they were winning now it's just back to are they going to buy or sell at the trade deadline why is it uncomfortable to talk about the fact that the other shoe might drop and they might come back to reality i think that's got a big reason why we're just hung up in are they going to get chris archer or why didn't they get hap or should they have gone out and reacquired soria or liriano even i heard today so pirates fans if you want to talk baseball why don't we do it now because we so rarely get a chance to do so 412-333-9939. Later on in the program, you're going to hear from Ramon Foster, Steelers offensive lineman. And one of the topics we're going to bring up with him, since he is a player rep for the team, is the NFL anthem policy. And that's got to be solved and solved soon. Not only for the good of the game, but also, in my opinion, for the good of the country. Because every time the vitriol gets stirred up surrounding the anthem debate, the league takes another hit from its fans. Not just the Trump supporters who are angry over or angered over political reasons, but also the more moderate fans who just want to see the controversy go away. Then there's the individual brand level that exists for the players, too. Eventually, they're going to get pinched, too, and I think they're starting to realize this, which is why they are now deciding to work with the league on crafting a new policy. And then there's the country part. Now, often when President Trump finds himself backed into a corner, he redirects the news narrative by sending out a tweet 
about the anthem and then takes the spotlight over whatever's going on with Russia or Stormy Daniels or whatever tight squeeze he's gotten himself into. You know, the NFL and the NFLPA need to reach an agreement on what to do for other reasons besides their own self-interests. And when I wrote about that in the Trib today on Breakfast with Bands, I got this response from uh, a guy named Ken who emailed me. He said, hey, Tim, any reason why you have so much animosity towards the President of the United States? Can't you keep your sports writing just about sports? Remember, half the country voted for President Trump. Here's how I responded. Ken, in the future, I will stop writing about the president. I'll likely have to be writing in Russian by then anyway, so you won't be able to understand it regardless. Between now and then, though, there's a couple things. Yes, half the country did vote for the president. That also means half didn't, and I'm really sorry for you that you're in the first half. Whenever a person sends me an email basically saying stick to sports, I know what stick to sports really means. It means stick to sports and not politics when your politics don't agree with my politics. In over 20 years of doing this job, no one has ever sent me an email saying stick to sports when the political views expressed happen to link with what they also happen to think. I'm not here to be part of any echo chamber or anything like that. I'll stick to sports when Trump keeps his nose out of it. How about that? I don't know why people can't see that differentiation. The stick-to-sports crowd always comes up when it's convenient to them, and the stick-to-sports crowd doesn't seem to understand that the president isn't sticking to politics. Because right now, politics are hard for the president. Screaming about the anthem is easy for him to do, and that's why he keeps doing it. We're back with Jerry DePaula in just a few minutes. He's covering the Pittsburgh Pirates for the Tribune Review. We'll talk to him about where the Pirates are going from here and why things have gone so badly so quickly since that winning streak ended, why they've gotten so sloppy so fast. We'll talk to him next. Tim Benson for Mark Madden on the X and ESPN Pittsburgh. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Thank you. I want to say, hell, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. Pirates and Mets tonight. Tim Benz with you in for Mark Madden at St. Vincent College in Latrobe watching football players practice, real baseball players playing real games. Although the Pirates haven't played like real baseball players the last two nights after winning 11 in a row. Joining us right now to talk about how things have started to slide back to reality is Jerry DePaula. He covers the Pirates for us at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review as well as the University of Pittsburgh. Jerry, uh, first of all, let's get to the lineup. The news of the day is still no Dickerson and no Marte, right? Well, they—they, they, I haven't seen a lineup yet. I was down in the in the clubhouse for a while, and they didn't put anything up there. But Dickerson and Marte, we both—I talked to both guys, and they both seem hopeful. Marte did not rule out playing tonight. Dickerson was doing some running on the field. Marte was getting ready to go out and do some baseball stuff. So. I guess there's a chance. Have you seen the lineup? I was yeah, actually, it came out as we were bringing you on, Jerry. It goes oh, like okay. this. Luplo, Harrison, Polanco, one, two, three. Diaz, Freeze, Bell. Then Seanrod back in center. Mercer at shortstop and Nova pitching. A little surprised Frazier's not in center, but I, I guess they they have a thing for Seanrod. You know, they, they, oh, like, do they? They, they, they have a thing for Seanrod like I have for Mason Rudolph. Let's put it to you that way. Well, you, I know about your thing with Mason Rudolph, so I'm going to have to worry about about Sean Watt a little bit. 
<laughs> well, you know what? The way Mason's thrown the ball thus far in camp, it's kind of been like Sean Rod trying to hit, to be frank with you. But that's a topic for another segment. Um, yes. What do you think about them without those two players? What do you think about them thus far without Dickerson and Marte? Is that been well, a big reason why they've struggled? Yeah, well, last night they scored six runs, you know, without those two guys. And they hit two home runs, two two-run homers by uh, Harrison and, and Free. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, they're not as good without Marte, especially. I think because he's the kind of guy that can get on base and steal, but steal a base for you. I think he leads the majors in steals right now. Is he close to it anyway? And Dickerson's in three eighteen, but they did hit last night. The problem was they didn't pitch. And, and one thing this team really needs more than anything else, even they're going to get Dickerson and Marte back. I'm sure by the weekend, uh, if not the weekend by the Cubs series. But uh, what they need more than anything else, I think, is a, a good relief pitcher. And, and maybe a better starting pitcher than, than Nick Kingham. Uh, Kingham's a rookie. He's only had 11 career starts. He did not pitch well last night. And neither did, neither did Michael Feliz, who was also who was sent to Indianapolis today. Yeah, for and, Alex uh, McCray, right? Alex McCray was brought up. He was with the team uh, about a month ago, a little less than a month ago, and didn't have to get on the mound. But uh, maybe they plan to use him a little bit, uh, at least for the trade deadline, and then go out and get a real relief pitcher maybe. Yeah, Jerry, as far as the comments about Kingham, I'm with you, or just the starting rotation in general. It's kind of like Pirates fans fell in love with what they saw over the two-week sample size of the 11-game win streak and just assumed that that was going to be status quo the rest of the way. (laughs) I say look at the bigger slice of the pie. Look at the larger sample size of the whole season, and I think it's very indicative to me that if you can get yourself a pitcher, particularly one like, for instance, a Chris Archer, who's been named on a number of occasions, if you get yourself that guy who's under control for multiple years going forward, not only is it going to help yourself now, but it's going to help yourself in the future. Absolutely, and I think getting getting a guy like Archer would really help this team. Now, what's the asking price? That's the the question that... uh, Huntington has the answer to himself. Is it worth the asking price? And since he is under control for a couple of years, maybe the asking price is, is, is can't be that bad because you got a guy who can help you down the stretch this year. You know, maybe help you uh, cut that three and a half game uh, margin down in, in for the wild card, and a guy who can be uh, being in rotation next the last couple of years. Uh, but what are they asking? Are they asking for Austin Meadows? Uh, or are they asking for Cole Tucker? Uh, I, I can see maybe trading Cole Tucker. Uh, maybe they want more than that. Tucker's in Double A. Meadows, of course, has you know, had some success in the majors. Is in Triple A. So, do they want to trade a guy like Meadows to get an Archer? Do they think they're that close to getting a, to getting in into the playoffs that they want to tear up their minor league system? I would be leaning toward say no. But uh, hey, they, they win these next three games, and, and the Braves lose a couple, and then Rockies lose a couple. You're right there, uh, and maybe you have to go out and do something something big or, or semi-big, uh, not, not just to appease the fans. You know, forget about the fans. It's making the team better, Make, making the team, you know, uh, a real contender in August and September. The fans, you know, can like it or not like it, but I think it's, what matters is what these baseball people think and if it's going to be a good baseball move. And I think getting Archer would be a good baseball move. I just don't think they want to pay the price. Yeah, honestly, Jerry, I think Meadows is the one guy of the prospects I wouldn't give up because he's going to be a starting outfielder for you next year. Because Probably. I don't care what they do the rest of the season, if they make the playoffs even, they're not going to keep Dickerson when they can go to Meadows. I think Meadows gave most of the Pirate fans out there a, a little bit of a taste of what he can do. It's going to be a lot easier to allow Dickerson to go somewhere else and not give him an arbitration uh, deal because uh, who knows what the arbitrator is going to rule given how he's played here. I don't think they want to carry that price tag. Do you? 
I, I think Dickerson has played really well. Like I say, he's hitting 318, and he's been a good glove in the outfield, and he's had some outfield assists. But when you break it down you know, to their talents, uh, Dickerson is much more experienced than, than Meadows, obviously. But they're about the same player, aren't they? They hit for a decent average. They have a little bit of pop, a little bit of home run pop in their bat. Uh, none of these, neither of them is going to hit 30 home runs. Although Dickerson at 27 last year in the American League, but I, I, I just think that you know they're going to go with the cheaper, cheaper player, and that would be Meadows. And you know they don't want to bring Meadows up now because Marte and Dickerson are ready to come back, and Dickerson's hot right now. You don't want to mess up the chemistry you got going with this team. You know, winning 11 out of the last 13 games. Um, but uh, I know like you said I think for sure Meadows is going to be the starting outfitter next year, and they don't want to. You know, if, if the uh, other teams are asking for you know Meadows, I don't think they want to trade Meadows. Jerry DePaula with us from the trip. He's covering the Pirates right now for us as we get ready for the rest of this weekend series against the New York Mets. Tim Benz with you at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Jerry, uh, just for the record, Mason Rudolph connected on James with James Washington for a bomb down the sidelines, beating Cam Sutton. Uh, the love affair is back, so I feel you much better about myself you now. Didn't, you didn't scream and jump up and down? I, it took some restraint, but Wes, our on-site engineer, held me down a oh, little good. bit. Uh, the only thing that set me back was I've also been trumping up Cam Sutton a lot, so that kind of balanced it out. You know what I mean? Okay. You do, you do, you do play favorites, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so does Clint Hurdle, and now that's back to oh, yeah. Sean Rodriguez again and why he's starting in center field. Uh, why have they been so sloppy, Jerry, the last two games since the 11-game winning streak ended? Because they're an average team, Tim. Uh, you know, they're a team that's going to play well for, for a decent stretch, then they're going to play poorly for, for a decent stretch. Uh, they're just a – what are they right now, two or three games over 500? Uh, they're playing maybe a little bit above what they are right now, but – I think there's a team that's going to not wow you for long stretches. I mean, 11 games was nice, but they can't keep that up. There's not enough talent. There's not enough pitching. There's not enough bullpen help for them to play that way. And their defense, to me, is just real average or below average in a lot of occasions. Uh, I think that they get away. They don't commit a lot of errors at Polanco. You know, I think he only has one error the entire season. But, boy, he misses a lot of balls out there, too, that don't go as errors. So this this team defensively, and this team, as far as the pitching staff, is deficient. I think the lineup's pretty good. Uh, I, I think that, you know, with uh, the outfield the way it is, with those, with Polanco, Marte, and, and Dickerson, and uh, even Jordy Mercer you know, gets hot every once in a while. And I think um, I think Josh Bell is going to get real hot in the second part of the season. He's going to be a star, in my opinion. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, but I think this guy has what it takes. He has the head. He has the athletic ability. And, and I think he's going to be a, a real good first baseman and eventually a good power hitter, I think. Jerry, what is Neil Huntington really thinking right now? Is he happy because this team could, in fact, turn out to be the 2018 version of last year's Minnesota Twins as he proclaimed at the start of the year and he can say, I told you so to all of us? Or is he more upset because, you know, like, for instance, he can't trade Corey Dickerson to the Yankees now with Aaron Judge getting hurt and get a big haul in return? Yeah, that probably did across his mind. Uh, you know, I, I'm serious about that, especially with the way he reacted after the first week of really good play. Like he was not overjoyed at the prospect when he was asked about, "Are they no longer a seller?" And then all they did was go on and win even more after that. So yeah, you know, like, well, you tell me, you is, know, is, is, is he happy or not? Uh, I, I don't know if, if "happy" is the, is the right word uh, or, or "upset" is the right word for not being able to trade Corey Dickerson. But I, I, I just think he knows what this team is capable of. Uh, and he, he knows, and Quinn Hurdle knows. They're not going to say it 
publicly, he knows they're a 500 team, maybe a little bit better than that, which isn't good enough to get into the playoffs. And you know, he doesn't want to tear up his his minor league system to, to get them there. When 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 you have when you don't really know, this team is not a team that's going to win the World Series for you. So you have to be careful who you're going to trade. You don't want to trade a guy like Meadows. Maybe you have a lot of good middle infielders. Maybe Cole Tucker, you know, a former first round draft pick shortstop, is a guy you might might trade because you do have other middle infielders in your system. Uh, but I, I think he's, I don't think he's happy that, 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 that he about anything right now. He's happy the team is contending, and he would like to say, especially to you, Tim, we would like to say, Tim, I told you so. <laughs> Lastly, Jerry, before we let you go here, uh, Hap going to the Yankees. Were they at all interested in trying to bring him back or no? I don't think so. Uh, again, how many uh, prospects did the, did the Yankees get up? Give up to give J.A. Happ or J. Happ, who hasn't been pitching that well lately. Uh, again, I, I don't think they, they want to get involved in any of these high-priced starting pitchers. Not only do they carry high-priced uh, paychecks, but also you know the uh, return is too much for them to to, uh, to pay. I think they don't want to go tear up their minor league system, you know, to get a guy like J.A. Happ for the next next two months because he knows this team. In reality, in, in his heart of hearts and deep down, it's not really a playoff team. Jerry, thanks. Mason Rudolph just took off his helmet, and his hair hasn't moved. It's spectacular. Oh, wow. It's stunning. Oh, Tim, uh, please try to control yourself and uh, go out and have a drink tonight and settle down, and you'll be fine. Uh, I expect him shortly to be dating porn stars just like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you, you would be disappointed if, it, if that didn't happen, right? Exactly. That's true. Jerry DePaula from the trip covering the Pittsburgh Pirates over at PNC Park. Jerry, thanks. Thank you. Bob McLaughlin, up next, uh, we'll talk about the latest developments in Kiara, Mia, and Jimmy G. Also, the Deadwood movie is out. We have to address that. Or that's not out, but it's happening. And uh, a flashback in time to bid adieu to a well-known Pittsburgh Penguin. That's coming up next. Tim Benson for Mark Madden on the X and ESPN Pittsburgh. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, I wanted to ask why my cat talks in her sleep. Cats are weird. One time my cat didn't eat for three weeks. I didn't feed her. The X at 105.9. Here's Kunath with it now. Comes in front. There we get shot. He scores! Jerome McGinlock gets his first goal as a Penguin. Yeah, um, what black guys did the Penguins pick up? Jerome McGinlock? McGinlock's black? <laughs> Bob McLaughlin joins me, courtesy of 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. An oldie but a goodie, right, Bob? Unbelievable. How do you remember those things? It's like, hey. We how, do, how do you forget those things? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, well put, well put. All right, so when Aginla retired, the announcement came out that he was going to retire, what, on July the 30th, he's going to make it official, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. his announcement date. So I thought of you, I thought of those moments uh, that we had on the X Morning Show for how how long do you think when you and I were doing the X Morning Show how many days in a row did we talk about would the Penguins acquire Jerome Ginla that year? Oh my God, days! Did, did it exceed Derek Brassard talk by two or three or maybe even four weeks? Oh tell yeah, me. let's let's put you know that's exponential right there. You can put it you know to the third or fourth power on that one. Uh, I mean. All of that waiting to see if we were going to get a Ginla, and then you finally get him. And that, I think, is one of the just misused experiments in the Penguins' history with playing him on the wrong side. I would, I would love to go back 
you know, in the Wayback Machine and put him on the correct side and play him with Sid and see how that all turns out. But just stunning that it didn't work because everybody thought that was going to be guaranteed Stanley Cup that season. Well, what I wrote in Breakfast with Ben's, the joke that I wrote when we wrote the column about Aginla retiring was when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, Sid's going to be the one to induct him, and Sid is going to have <laughs> Aginla over his wrong shoulder while he's doing it. Right. Again, well done. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Dan Bilesma standing over the other shoulder saying, there's nothing wrong here. This, this is working out fine. Yeah. How, about, how does that happen? I, I mean, I, honestly, I how does that happen when you have that many people that they make their living knowing hockey. They make their living winning at hockey. And then you get a player like that, and you don't play him in the right position. It doesn't work. He's gone. you know. And then he, he goes back to other teams. You know, He played in the league a number of years after that, and he still did pretty well, obviously. I think not he had like- at least two or three 20-goal seasons thereafter. But I went back and looked. He had five goals after he was acquired in the regular season by the Penguins, and he scored in only three of 13 playoff games oh. that year. Uh, yeah, not exactly what Penns fans back then were looking for. I, but part of the reason I thought of you, and part of the reason I have such you know, clear memories of the days and weeks, not kidding, months leading up to that trade, and then the moments thereafter was, do you remember how it went down the night before? Like, how long, literally, how long before we went on the air did we realize that, Peng, that the Penguins had just gotten to Ginla that day? Oh, like, yeah. Five minutes? Yeah, ten minutes? exactly. Exactly. Because I remember that night, it's, it's, it's as close to having a moment that I would never be able to forget negatively in my career that I've ever had. Because I went to bed, at, how late was it? Like after midnight, that one, one o'clock in the morning, oh, something yeah. like that? Yeah, it was way after midnight. When, the, when it was said that the Bruins got him. And I was like, oh, well, okay, so I did a ton of prep based on the premise that the Bruins got Aginla, and then I got in a little bit late that day because I slept a little too long. I thought the show was just going to take care of itself. I had all my thoughts pounded out and ready to go. It, it must have been between 7 and 10 minutes before we actually got on the air that we realized the trade went the other way. What's funny, though, is that I, obviously we weren't on I, I was as surprised to find out that Aginla was a penguin as that guy was to find out he was black. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we weren't on Twitter at that time. I, I, maybe you were. Back that was 2013, right? Yeah, yeah but was, I don't think I had checked it because I mean I was I might have even slept at the station that night to be honest with well, you. Well, it's funny because do you remember how many different sites we were going through, and everybody had that he was with the Bruins. It was confirmed out the wazoo that oh, he yeah. was with the Bruins, and and like Penguins the Bruins fans, thought he was he was a Bruin exactly, and Penns fans were incensed. And then the elation when you find, I mean, not only did the Penguins get him, but to yank him from the Bruins. Because, you know, at, at that time, the Pens and Bruins were much closer. It was a much more heated rivalry. Still is to this day, but nothing like it was back then. And to just yank him from the Bruins and have Beantown respond like that, that was just, you know, that was tremendous. Uh, by the way, I want to thank you as well for tipping me off to something else. And that was Brooklyn Chase's tweet earlier today that she'll be at Top Golf. Are you like me having a hard time <laughs> visualizing in your mind the anatomy there and how she's going to hit a drive? Tim, I'm having a hard time. That's my exit to get home. I'm wondering how am I going to get home tonight because that intersection backs up pretty far up I-79. Oh, south. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say you're going to have a hard time trying to explain to your wife why you were going to Top Golf tonight on the way home. No, it's funny because, like I said, Top Golf is right up the road from me, so I follow Top Golf. And believe me, since the day that place has gone up, since the day that the Penguins went there and hit the golf ball hit early and like kind of did a soft open. 
there hasn't been an empty spot at that place. So I can only imagine what is going to happen <laughs> when Brooklyn Chase pulls into the lot tonight. Uh, and why would you put that out there in the public? Well, because look what happened with Kiara Mia as soon as she got a little public attention. Maybe she'll wind up on TMZ like Kiara Mia and she'll have her searches on Pornhub go up 2,300%. Good point. I had never heard that name before. I had no How idea did we miss out was. on her? For all the all your smarter than girls that we brought on for over the years and whatnot that came in from cheerleaders and from blush, how did we never have her on? No did idea. She ever, did she ever travel? I know she never didn't make on the it radar, big. Tim. That when she, you know the Jimmy Garoppolo stories were the first time I had ever seen that name, and I was like, "What is the big deal? Who is this?" Because in the first few stories, it just said her name, and there were a couple of suggestive pictures there, but it didn't say exactly what she did. So when you Google it, it's like, oh, you know. And then within ten minutes after that. The next stories that came out were, oh, he's losing all his endorsements. What is he thinking? He's toxic now as a brand. And then everybody coming after that. No, he's not. Look what else. You know, other people have done stuff like this. I, I don't care about that. I just care about my own reaction. What does it say about me that my first thought in that regard was, gee, Jimmy, I, I don't know if she might be a little bit too old for her. <laughs> not She's familiar 41. with the How is she 41? Have you seen the photos? Yeah, just yeah, just in the stories and stuff like that and the TMZs and everything. But yeah, I I wouldn't think 41. I didn't go that far into the investigation, but I wouldn't think 41. I know I'll be downloading in the end zone. That's well, for sure. the crazy stuff was what she posted the first night. Obviously, she was doing it for the publicity and to get, you know, her searches and her mentions up and everything. Because she was pretty graphic about how the evening was going to go after the yeah. dessert. So, <laughs> well, that's what I said yesterday when I was on just ESPN Pittsburgh with her with that conversation is, you know, the first time Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get sacked by a Seattle Seahawk or a Los <laughs> Angeles Ram. They're going to stand over him and say, how did that feel? Cheesecake? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, look, you, you're probably going to see that referenced on the new season of Ballers. <laughs> You know, well, you're asking why she did it. I'll tell you why she did it. For the credit card. That's why she did it. Absolutely. All right, we're back at the 5 o'clock hour. I'm going to tell you somebody from the Pittsburgh Steelers that normally you're never mad at that you might get mad at here. That's coming up next. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden on the X and ESPN Pittsburgh.